Hi, Krishna, everyone. You are listening to the Late Morning Program with Namras Podcast, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I am here with the legendary Navina Nirada Prabhu. Prabhu, thank you so much for joining me. Hare Krishna. Thank you for having me, Namras. I'm so excited to talk to you. You are a legend in the Hare Krishna movement as one of the most amazing book distributors, along with... Um, I heard about you originally along with this one other devotee, Harinam Ananda Prabhu. Maybe we can uh, talk a little bit about your, about your book distribution days a little later. But uh, I just wanted to say I'm so honored to have you on the show to talk about your experiences and what, you know, I feel like sometimes book distributors who've been distributing books for so many years, they have these like really amazing realizations, even, uh, you know, farther than what uh, their, their book distribution knowledge, but even the, the experience that they gain. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, but let's start out with, um, how did you come in contact with uh, Krishna consciousness? Well, first of all, let me offer my respects to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, yeah, and to all the devotees, assembled, non-assembled. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a regular kid um, from Switzerland, from an industrial city, half hour from Zurich. And I got introduced in my schooling time when I was in a boarding school in the Swiss Alps in 1984. And one of my friends introduced me. Also, there was a first canto Bhagavatam in the school's library. Then I oh, went to and started chanting Hare Krishna, and it took me a while, but then I became quite uh, serious with the practice, and I went regularly, and then uh, it took me a while to convince my mom to let me drop out of ninth grade and join the Sankirtan mission at the age of, age of 15. So that was in 1984. And it's been a pretty wild and amazing and interesting time. Wow. You joined at 15 and, and you immediately joined the temple? Yeah. Yeah, I joined the temple on a Thursday and I went on traveling book distribution on Sunday. And I didn't stop for the next 15 years. So that was uh, pretty much the, the first 15 years. It was just traveling First Switzerland, then Europe, and then around the world. I also uh, became the Minister of Book Distribution in the 90s. So I visited mostly all the continents, training devotees in the art of how to connect with the public, how to do outreach, how to have a more sustainable experience. We wrote some courses and taught train teachers to um, teach those courses in their locales to make sure the devotees are more aware of the principles and values that, that are foundational in this activity. So I'm very fortunate that 
I got to see most of the centers in our movement. I'd be doing quite a bit of traveling and meeting devotees of all kinds in all different situations and circumstances and see how the process works. That's the magic of Krishna consciousness. Wherever you go, it actually works. This Sankirtan is the prime benediction for humanity at large, and it actually is applicable to one and all. Just on Saturday, we were here in Michigan, Ann Arbor, at the great University of M of Michigan, and it was the first football game in two years, college football. There was about 40,000 pretty, uh, pretty wild fans, and they yeah. all walked up the hill to the stadium. And we were there doing Harinam with about a group of a dozen of us chanting Hare Krishna. And people were delighted to see us. They chanted with us. They, they were very, very happy to interact with the devotees. So sometimes this misconception is there in devotees' minds that people don't know us, we're alienated, we're insular. It's just because of our own security, because we are too much cloistered, too much on the media, too much in our own minds. But if we're actually to go out and meet the public, we'd be surprised at how, how open, how, how favorable, how interested people are. Now more than ever, honestly speaking. When I started out in 84, very few people knew about vegetarianism, yoga, meditation, karma, reincarnation. These were kind of foreign concepts. And now everybody will tell you, hey, dude, I know being vegetarian is, is where it's at. You know, I'm not there yet, but I'm working my way there, okay? So they're yeah. almost apologetic that they're not <laughs> yet with it. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of the change of paradigm in the last four decades. And yes, 500 million books are out there. Uh, a few billion plates of prasadam are out there. Countless Harinams. So all this has had a lot of impact on the planet. Yeah, it's something that, yes, go ahead. <laughs> I always remember uh, looking forward to your BTG articles, like I think it was in the 90s, and you would have, and I remember vividly one story that you told about you were distributing somewhere in Europe and a man was like about to commit suicide. And I think there was a pipe like to his car, like it was in a parking lot and the pipe from his exhaust was going into his car and you were like knocking on his door or something. And then he read the book and he was like, do you, do you remember that story? Yeah, actually, actually he didn't open because he didn't want to interact. So it wasn't right. me. It was another devotee. They okay. just put a book on his windshield wiper because he thought the devotee thought this person really needs a book. <laughs> so they put a book on the windshield wiper and, and you know, random acts of kindness. And, and walked away. And then later on, uh, the person actually thought, okay, I'm trying to commit suicide, but I don't know what this guy's all about, but he put a book on my windshield wiper while I'm passing out here. I might as well start reading the book. So he took the book, closed the window, and uh, started reading it. And then he stopped the engine and lowered the windows. and. <laughs> And actually took up the practice of Krishna consciousness. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, there's some pretty amazing stuff out there. 
But BTG articles, those, those, those columns, I mean, that's nostalgia. That's the 90s. That's like... <laughs> nostalgia, <laughs> yeah, it is. That shows people how old we are, you know, when you talk to <laughs> those, those days. Yeah. We had Vyasa Puja for Prabhupada, and, and we heard a lot of beautiful stories and memories from, from our seniors. Yeah, one thing that uh, is really important to me is uh, we're a living tradition. That means today we should be able to experience the same thing that those people experienced that met Prabhupada and those people that met Mahaprabhu and those people that met our other previous uh, acharyas. So I'm really curious to know how did you meet Prabhupada today? What, what, is, your, what is your encounter with Prabhupada? And that, that encounter is available for each and every one of us. So yes, nostalgia has its place, and we, we cherish those uh, histories of the past, yet we're a living tradition. We want to know how will this uh, affect people? How will Vyasa Puja look like 50 or 100 years from now when there yeah. are more direct disciples or even grand disciples present? Will they just retell histories of the past as they heard them before, like in different traditions, you talk about the burning bush and about this miracle and that miracle, or will people actually be able to share their own realization of this is how I met Prabhupada today, how Prabhupada came to me today. If you don't mind, I'd like to share. I read this morning. Please. Uh, the Beta Kirtan pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Chaitanya Charitamrita where well, there was four groups of devotees performing kirtan and chanting, and they all, and Mahaprabhu was in the center, in the middle, dancing. And each and every member in the groups, almost all of them saw Mahaprabhu directly looking at them personally. They saw that miracle, witnessing that miracle. And Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami says that if you just read this story, you'll be able to get the mercy of Lord Chaitanya. So to me, that was kind of quite quite a, an impactful experience. You can say it's a Prabhupada moment. I also read yesterday how Lord Chaitanya met the Kurma Brahman and, yeah. and he, he didn't tell him to join the temple or to join the Sankirtan van. He told him to go home and to chant Hare Krishna and be with his folks and, and <laughs> just spread the movement there. Yeah. And, and uh, and in the purport, Srila Prabhupada says that if we don't understand these principles, then our preaching will have no effect. And Mahaprabhu gave him this famous verse, Yarede Ketari Kaha Krishna Upadesh, Amara Jnana Guru Hanatara Edesh, that you become a guru at home with your, with your people and you teach them the message of Krishna consciousness. So, do you think things that resonate strongly and I just wanted to share them? Sure, sure. Do you think that right now in our movement we are too nostalgic? Uh, in some ways, yes, because nostalgia means comfort zone. It means stuff that really, you know, is comforting. It's like when I watch your early podcasts with the nice mug of Roy Boss tea or whatever it was that, that you guys were... <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, nostalgia is good. It's got its place. Yeah. But to the new person on the street, it, it, it doesn't 
mean anything. It's, it's, it's disconnect. It's just, it doesn't really affect them because they have not been to your place there in New Jersey and they didn't drink that, you know, they didn't zip rooibos tea with you. So, so they don't know that ambience. <laughs> so it's good for our own memory, you can say, and edification, but we ought to be careful that we don't make that the criteria. And then we kind of become a little insular and maybe even a little bit proud that we are the chosen people because we're in the right kind of group or in the right kind of uh, subgroup or in the right kind of language group. And Krishna consciousness is really not about that because Mahaprabhu came to break open the storehouse of love of God and, and, and make this bhakti thing open source that, that everyone can actually have access to it if they're sincere. Yeah. Sincere is sincere and without ulterior motive. Sometimes devotees say they quote the uh, many few quotes that Srila Prabhupada said or writ or wrote about boiling the milk. Like we have so many pe- devotees now. What is the use of expanding when our when our when our we're not taking care of our devotees? For, coming from a book distributor for so many years standpoint, when you hear quote people quoting that and kind of saying, "Hey, we need to kind of like pull it back a little bit and like." take care of the devotees that we have. What would you say to that? And what is your viewpoint on that? Absolutely, we need to take care of the devotees. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Veterans Affairs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I built a VA, Vaishnav Academy in Mayapur. You can also call it Veteran Affairs. Right. <laughs> um, I'm daily on the phone uh, counseling devotees who, who, who have fallen out of love with their guru, with their institution, with their service, with the world, or with themselves, and trying to, to hear them out and to, to appreciate them and to console them and to give them courage to go on in their Krishna consciousness. So by all means, take care of devotees. One thing doesn't exclude the other. Um, definitely boil the milk, absolutely. First, got to have milk to start with. That, that's as a starter. And I'm a simple kid. I, I, I'm not very educated. I dropped out in ninth grade. It took me 25 years to take Bhakti Shastri and another 10 years to complete Bhakti Vedanta. But I, every summer I went on farms and I worked on farms for a month. And I saw farmers, they're pretty grounded people. And they, they plant, they cultivate, they harvest, and they rest. So the full cycle is happening continuously. It's not that they only do one thing. It's, mm. it's simultaneously happening because different crops are in season and, and they're, they're custodians. They know how to work the land. So in a similar way, we got to put the message out there and we got to follow up with people and we got to bring them in and, and make them welcome. Their only, their only question should be, how can I become like you? What does it take to become one like you? Our only goal should be that they, they come back. And then what are we doing to keep people coming back and to sustain them in their Krishna consciousness and make them feel welcome? And then how can we inspire them to, to share their realizations in their village amongst their people? Because that means that will be the full cycle. That will be the, the completion 
of the of the whole of the whole cycle. Otherwise, well, it's kind of I'm doing this and I'm doing that and you're doing that and his guru is into farms and my guru is into you know I don't know mm. parachuting or drag racing or you know or you know playing table tennis. So Mahaprabhu gave us a mission and that mission is really broad. But how can I find my mission inside the vision of Srila Prabhupada? Srila Prabhupada one time said that I want to spread Krishna consciousness everywhere at once. That's a pretty broad and a pretty big uh, vision. And I think that leaves room for each and every one of us to, <laughs> to find our own spot in that. So in that mission. When you say, me, yes, yeah, go, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. Yeah, for me personally, I started off as a book distributor and then I, I became an educator because I saw that it's, it's really about sharing, sharing knowledge and, and not just the, theory, but, but realization. People want to know what's in your heart, dude. What makes you you? Like, like, why are we doing this? Like, that's what intrigues me. Like, like how can you do three podcasts on a weekend? And then listen to people just, you know, talk out of their, <laughs> yeah. talk out of their. So that's what interests me. I can read the books myself. We got so much data on, on, on our devices. But what really intrigues us is what's your realization? So you were mentioning about people are arguing and sometimes there's this tendency of debating. And you can take any quote any statement from Shastra or from Prabhupada and debate it in, in unlimited ways. Yeah. And the question is, what is the motive? What is my intent with which I get into this argument? Or what am I trying to prove? What am I trying to use Shastra or Prabhupada for? What is my agenda? Did I already make up my mind or am I actually interested to see what is the other person trying to tell me. And, and maybe there are more ways to see this thing than my current state. And I think that's a lot what Krishna consciousness is all about. Prabhupada one time said that I've come to give you a brain when he was asked why he came to the West. I come to give you a brain. So I think the mission of the Krishna conscious movement is to try to teach and inspire people to think we should not try to legislate what they're thinking, but we should try to inspire them and help them to think and to ponder issues deeply. And then, believe it or not, some will actually come to the conclusion that bhakti is the culmination of all searching and it will actually make a difference in their lives. I really like what you said about um, how to find your mission within Srila Prabhupada's mission. Now, in your experience, uh, what is it that devotees struggle with when they're trying to do that? Because it seems that, like, that's a very broad way to look at it, but it's not always that easy. I mean, it's easy to say, but finding your own mission, how do you think someone would do that? Initially, when we start out, we're told what to do. And, and that is perfectly fine because imitation of a good thing is a good thing. But at some point, 
we got to come up with our own reasons. You know, in French, there is that poignant phrase, la raison d'être, the reason to be. What's your reason to be? Why do you get out of bed? Like, you're there in New Jersey. You got food in the fridge. You got gas in the tank. You got credit. So, so it's not like somebody's breathing down your neck. Hey, Namras, did you get up this morning and chant rounds? Or, or did you just put on T-Lock? You know, roll out of bed, put on T-Lock, and get in front of your big mic. You know, no one's there to check. Right, right. And some people literally do it. <laughs> so, so why am I doing what am I doing? What is my motivation to do this? What am I experiencing when I practice? So we cannot legislate faith. We cannot tell people you have to believe this or you have to follow that. Krishna consciousness is a, is a, is a volunteer organization. Yes, we are committed because we, we have made that commitment because Prabhupada oftentimes said, I, I don't have any money to bribe anyone. Uh, I don't have ways to coerce or to, to force people to do things. But love is the greatest power. It's the greatest potency. So because we feel love, we feel uh, responsibility. We feel accountable to, to our spiritual masters. And that, that is really what's the driving force. Hmm. And then as far as like your own mission, do you mean um, even past what like what's sadhana or other things like that? Do you also do you also talk? Do you also mean uh, one's occupation or one's uh, one's like varna and ashram? Is that also important? when we're finding your mission within the mission? Absolutely. I mean, some of these things are, are supportive, they're secondary, others are primary. Yeah. But all these things will become revealed. It all comes out in the wash, as they say. So <laughs> Sankirtan is, is the complete meal. It's got all the components. It's Samyak Kirtan. It's the complete Kirtan. Tapana Mishra was an educated scholar. He knew Sanskrit. He knew the Shastras. Yet he did not know the goal of life nor the means how to attain it. Did you ever wonder about that quote from Chaitanya Bhagavan about Tapan Mishra? How can you be educated, being a scholar, but you don't know the goal of life nor the means how to attain it? Wow. Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur gives the explanation that he was chanting his Krishna mantra silently just for himself. He was not collaborating with others. He was not doing... Nam Sankirtan, he was not spreading the holy name. That's why he didn't know the goal nor the means how to attain it. The same thing or similar thing can happen to us. That we may say, I got my guru, I have my deity, I have my mantra, I'm doing my practice. In the Garuda Purana, it says something very beautiful that you can only become Krishna conscious when you associate with pure devotees. And if we do not show mercy or kindness, to persons who are less fortunate, less advanced than us, then our lives will be superficial. That's a pretty heavy statement. If we do not show mercy or kindness to people who are less fortunate than us, our lives will be superficial. We want to live lives of substance. And obviously, as you pointed out, <clears throat> finding out what is your varna and your ashram, <laughs> is part of that refinement process. It, it is part of that evolution. It is part of that uh, 
edification that, that is supposed to happen while doing the Sankirtan Yagya. But that requires that we actually do Sankirtan. That means we have peers who can call us out and say, hey, uh, are you okay? Are you doing all right? <laughs> is things working out for you? And it's not just you're trying to put up some scores on a board to, to, to please your boss or to get by or to fit in, but you're actually doing that to Shyanticharamanticha, that churning, and, and a peer is anybody who can challenge you, is anybody who can call you out on your stuff. And that's very much required because peer association is where most of our interaction happens and where we get most of the traction in our devotional service. Yeah, I notice, uh, I notice in the past when, when devotees or leaders have had troubles in ISKCON, it's because they've not had that. They, it's kind of like very lonely up at the top. When you're at the top and you're, maybe you're a guru or you're, or you're a leader and, and you don't have that peer association, then it can be very difficult because they can't, no one can call you out because you're at the top. You, no one can call you out on what's going on. So there's been a lot of struggle in that way. And I think it's a great point that you bring up that we all need that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's not just at the top that it's lonely. It can be lonely anywhere. You, you can be lonely in the cloud and you can be totally connected and in the zone just by yourself. <laughs> it's really yeah. a matter of, of being Krishna conscious. And, and that's not something that, that, that you can fake. It's not about what dress you wear. Or, or your hairstyle or, you know, the size of your beard or, or you know, how many shlokas you know. Like, like I had a, 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 I know your show, you know, feeds off on controversy and jokes and, and uh, my topic is a little plain maybe for some. But I don't what, think so. I don't think so. I think it's a great topic. There's some juicy stuff. But, but to open up with a little joke, I'm on appreciation tour. I just traveled 10,000 miles from, from Sacramento to San Diego to Miami to Maine, Vermont, upstate New York, and over to Michigan. And I met amazing people and, and wonderful devotees. I have not cooked one meal unless I decided to cook for other devotees. But <laughs> I was going from waterhole to waterhole to waterhole. Like literally, there's devotees everywhere. And, and it's amazing. And especially they're happy to see someone who is not paranoid and freaked out and who is like, hey, there's, there's, this, there's a happy devotee here. <laughs> so I, I was in uh, Stuvazan Falls where Satsarup Maharaj lives and Ravindra Sarup Prabhu lives and, and, and I had lunch with Ravindra Sarup Prabhu. And, and he told me something that I would like to share with you. Sure. And he said in the 90s, there was a big mood about taking sannyas. A lot of people were into taking sannyas. So one time he walked into the GBC meetings. And, and so a couple of them were, were making the joke. So, so when are you going to take sannyas? And, and Rindra Sarup, he's not, you know, without blinking an eye, he said, I think I'm going to stay renounced. <laughs> so, wow. So it's worth traveling 10,000 miles to, to, to get the distilled essence of, of, a, of, a few, of a few sadhus. I was in Carpinteria in California with His Holiness Kira Swami, and he told me that 
his name realization at that moment was that Prabhupada is all loving. He, he, his love was so oceanic, so, so unconditional that people just felt drawn to him. It's just like a magnet. They were just so enamored. At the same time, Prabhupada was completely detached. And it seems like these concepts, unconditional love and detachment, are, are like opposites. They're like contrary. But mm. if you think about it, they're not. Because true love actually means it also includes the freedom not to love. Like now there's a lot of talk about devotee care and we should, you know, be nice to each other and, you know, respect each other, be civil, due process and all that stuff. And then you get the baseline control, 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 control. And you're like, hey, this is a little confusing, you know, like it's a little polarizing here. So what's it going to be? Now, when I meet people on the street, I tell them oftentimes when they try to get argumentative or they, they, they try to figure out, especially here in this great country in the States, they want to know, so, so are, you, are you a this or are you a that, you know? <laughs> Isn't that? And you can fill in the blanks, whatever this or that stands for. People want to know where you stand. So I tell them, look, right wing and left wing are two wings of the same bird. The bird is called ignorance. <laughs> and education is what actually helps alleviate that. And either they crack up and they get it, or they just walk away because they didn't get what they were looking for. So if you ask me, are you a this or are you a that, then I may have to say I'm Swiss, I'm neutral, you know? So <laughs> as long as you bank with us, uh, I'm okay with you because we don't do wars. We only finance wars. Okay? <laughs> so, so my point is there is a value in, in, in debate and in, in having somebody having discussions yet we should try to introspect and see what is my motive? What is my intention? Why am I entering into this dialogue? Am I trying to assert myself? Am I trying to prove, my own ego, is it Tarko Pratishta, Shutayogubina? Am I trying to show off? Or or am I actually trying to find the truth? I was sitting with a with a Harvard educated professor, PhD, super advanced devotee, and, and we talked about book changes and topics of the sort, and I had to tell him, me no speak English. Me no speak Sanskrit, but me speak attitude. And the way how the discussion is going, I don't like it. It's, it's not inspiring. It's not enthusing. I'm on the front lines having one moment to make impact, to, to, to have actual connection with this person. If they see that I'm opinionated, that I'm judgmental, that I'm insecure, or that I'm condescending, they're gone. That moment is over. They're gone. The only thing they want to know is what makes you, you? What's in your heart? Give me a piece of your mind. That's the only thing that people want to know. 
And that requires that we're actually doing sankirtan, which means that, yes, we got to have the traditionalists, we got to have the innovators, we got to have the artists, we got to have the scholars. We need everybody. It's a big mission. There is room for everybody, even for me, for this little guy. I, I was in Miami on South Beach. I don't know if you've been to Miami South Beach, but people are pretty mm -hmm. full of it. It's a zoo out there. Uh, anything goes right out there in the open. There was two middle-aged guys, well-dressed, well-tanned. They were all wearing the right clothes, the right jewelry, and they were having a very animated discussion. And I walked up to them and I wanted to give them a book, but it's kind of impolite to just, you know, tackle them and kind of go in there. So I just walked up to them and I said, it's not easy to be humble when you're six foot three and 53 years old. And one of the guy went like, do you know me? You've been following me. Do you know who I am? And I said, dude, I'm six foot three and I'm 53 years old. And he laughed and he said, me too. <laughs> so, so we gave each other a hug and uh, I handed him some books and he handed me a donation and uh, we parted ways. So the point I'm trying to get at is that we should venture out of comfort zone. We should get out of our own little headspace and, and see it's not the bad world out there. People are actually open, they're inquisitive, they're looking for Krishna. When you, when you tell Sankirtan stories till the cows come home, but yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> when, you talk about, um, when you talk about your appreciation tour, what did you, what do you mean exactly by that? I mean that, let's face it, this is decades of tears. We have lost a lot of dear and near ones, and and a lot of people have moved on. And why can't we appreciate devotees while they're still here before they leave? Wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, so I figure 2021 is another weird year. No big things are going to happen. Uh, the world is crazy. So I can either also go crazy or I can just uh, hit the road to nowhere and go visit some of my mentors, my teachers, present and former, uh, some of my friends, and just travel the country and, and distribute a few books extract a little bit of the essence of certain individuals and it's being very it's being very beautiful i was uh in a place where i met a former a friend person i consider a friend i respect him but the last few times that we met <clears throat> i felt like i didn't feel the love as they say in california if you ever had that you know like you knew somebody in the past and it was all good and it was all tight and then somehow stuff happened, you know, life happened, you got a little distant and then you met a few times, but it just wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So I went and I, I met him and I, I told him that I must have offended you because, because the last few times we met, I really didn't feel, really didn't feel the love that, that we were, you know, how we used to relate to each other. 
and uh, he paused for a while and said, Navina, if you would have offended me, I would remember it. I have a very sharp memory. But I must have offended you because that I don't remember it, it means I must have done something to upset you. And so we both concluded that maybe we just got a little too busy with doing our own stuff and not being that much considerate to each other and each other's needs. And that's why we kind of felt estranged. So he invited me to share the mic with him that evening with his students. Now for his students, he's the dude, he's the man, he's, he's their teacher. And it was quite of a new scenario for his students to see that our dude, our teacher, he also got friends, you know? You know, he also got friends. That was a new thing to them. And we were passing the mic back and forth. And it was, it was, it was pretty amazing, so to speak. So we have a lot of very brilliant, very advanced, devotees. But if you ask sometimes, why are some of our seniors not here anymore? Many of them were stellar, but they were not team players. Mm. They were just doing it in the way that they felt things needed to be done. And that's like the, that kind of excluded or, or, or upset others, sidelined others. And then at one point when they were in a, in, a, in, a, in a tough spot and when they were hurting, there was no one there to help them. There was no one there to, to actually tell them, you know, like, you know, the king's got no clothes on or somebody's too far out there, too far gone. So we should make sure that we don't allow this to happen to us, that I always ask in my leadership seminars that, you know, who are your... Who are your mentors, your guides, your friends, and who is your loyal opposition? Like who of these other podcasters do you, do you speak with that does stuff differently, you know? And they may even be critical and challenging to you. Right. But those are the most valuable people to us because they know the trade and they're doing valuable service. Now, we may not like the way they do things, the way they, you know, talk or even their whole content, but we should be able to appreciate. Just this appreciation tour. I was down in, that, in, in San Antonio on a parking lot, and it was a big limousine, a Mercedes, and I, I, I knocked on the window, it was tanned windows, window went down, was a very refined lady with a headscarf and a jacket on with different like quilt patchwork, it looked very artistic. And I said, wow, nice. Did you make that yourself? And she said, yeah. How'd you know? And then, and I, I said, where are you from? And she said, Pakistan. And, and I had two options. You know, I could either just turn around and walk away, like some people do when they hear Pakistan or Afghanistan or some other Stan, you know, they just turn on their heels and walk. We'll get to that a little later. And I said, Pakistan, that's great, that's fantastic. Which city? Karachi, Islamabad, Lahore? And she said, you know Pakistan? I said, yeah, of course I know Pakistan. 
I love Pakistan. I handed her the book. She looked at the book. It said Dharma, the way of transcendence. She gave me $50. She's following a different tradition, different religion, but because I could appreciate her jacket, her country, her religion, I could appreciate her, not just as a sales technique, but because she really felt that I actually, actually care for her. I, I, you know, I I want to say something for for that. You know, being a being a book distributor for many years, you can kind of do that and have that that experienced mentality to do that whatever that technique is. But for someone new, a new book distributor, there that's not going to be real. That's not going to be real. That's like that's just going to be it's like you said. That's going to be a sales technique because they just want to get the books out, right? Yeah. So, so you're going to be you. So you got to work with what you got, which means just be nice. You know, just be nice to people. And right. what does nice mean? It means needs, interests, concerns. You know. And what was the fourth one that that your father-in-law said? Be nice. Oh, I forgot. oh be okay. You remember? No, <laughs> It's been a while. Anyway, uh, so, so just tell about things that you think are relevant to this person and talk about things that are relevant to you, things that are meaningful to you. I remember I started out when I was 15 and I was telling people, I'm a monk, I'm a teacher, I'm a this, I'm a that. And people looked at me and went like, does your mom know you're here? <laughs> Go into the kitchen and get me chocolate bars you know that's switzerland you know and, and bring me chocolate so i was like okay maybe maybe i'm not there yet you know maybe i'm not the monk or the the teacher or the this or the that dude so i would just tell them look i'm i'm, I'm a student you know and they're like yeah i get it i i dig it you know or or just tell people i'm a volunteer or i work in it but i volunteer i'm a volunteer with this gone and people will say wow that's cool man you know, like you got a job, you got a life, you got a wife, you got a family, and you're volunteering. Man, respect. I, I, I appreciate that. So nothing beats honesty. Just 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 be yourself and tell people where you're at. I'm in San Francisco right now because believe it or not, my my guru asked me to open a center there. And I said, why? And he said, you will learn patience. <laughs> and I said, me, patience? What do you mean? You know? So I'm in San Francisco, probably one of the most opinionated, polarized, and liberal places on the planet. And so I, I meet this woman, and she's a, a, a human rights activist, feminist, uh, lesbian lawyer. These are her, her description. That's her, that's her tagline, you know, right. what she, so, so she's like, your religion, what are you doing? What are you up to? And I said, me, I'm a disenfranchised monk. Now don't treat me like, you know, and, and she got it and she immediately pulled back. But the point I'm trying to get at is just just be yourself. If you don't know, just say, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but this mm -hmm. has helped me. It, it's made a difference in my life. And it, you can learn something too.
People are not looking for smartness. They're looking for hardness. They, they want to see that you actually care. I often tell people, I speak 12 languages and I fake another 12, but the only one people actually connect with is empathy. As soon as you speak big words, people totally disconnect. They just mm. drop the ball. They just wait. But when they actually figure out, hey, this person cares about me. It's not just want to sell me something. Oftentimes, you just got to give people what they can take, and it may be a smile, it may be some kind words, it may be a free small book, just something. And then you'll be surprised. I was in Ann Arbor at the art fair, one of the biggest art fairs in the country, and I was just doing the booths, the vendors, the artists. I love it. You just go booth to booth. <laughs> There's these little, not 10 by 10 tents, like little cubicles with art. <laughs> and I went up to the lady, and I said, for all the conscious artists, I'm, 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 I'm sharing this uh, with them. And the lady said, I'm from Lithuania. When I was a teenage girl, I had a lot of questions and a lot of existential problems. But when I read the Bhagavad Gita, these questions were answered. And, and it was my favorite book. But then when I was 16, my parents migrated to the United States with me and I had to leave everything behind, my books, my art, my friends, my life, and start all over fresh here. And now 35 years later, I'm accomplished and you walk into my booth and you hand me the same book that made a difference in my life. So that's the Prabhupada moment and, 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 and you're there to witness it. <laughs> and to me, that's Prabhupada alive today in this moment. And I strongly believe every devotee must have this experience. Otherwise, our lives will become superficial and shallow. Going back to the comment you made earlier about uh, if you're discussing controversial subjects, for example, the book changes, the way it's being discussed, you're, you don't like that. What is, in your eyes, the way to discuss it? Because they, it, does, it, does, it needs to be discussed, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everything <laughs> needs to be discussed. But yeah. it's got to be progressive, which means there is progress. We actually have a goal, and that means a common goal, and we're moving towards that common goal. And like I tell people, namaste, what does it mean? And then I let them say their bit, you know. <laughs> it means respect to you or the divinity in me, you know, bows down to the divinity in you. Every relationship mm. is based on two things, respect and service attitude. Mm. So if we don't have respect and service attitude, then, then it's, uh, you know, then it's difficult. And oftentimes, honestly speaking, I'm sorry to, to, to say when I follow these dialogues, I don't feel the love and I don't feel much of the respect or the service attitude. I feel I feel that there's a lot of opinion, there's a lot of agenda, there's a lot of vested interests at stake and not oftentimes, okay, what's the way forward and, and how can we make this work mm. together? Right. As, as I said earlier in, in my little rant, uh, my little monologue, that 
I'm not a linguist. I didn't grow up speaking this language. I didn't study Sanskrit. But we all know what the goal should be. And I think we can all agree upon that goal. My picture just went into remission mode. Is that normal? That does those yeah, things? It's, uh, I think it's your connection. It's not as okay. strong. Well, yeah. but, I, but I can hear you fine. Okay, good. I, good. I just wondered if it's my, my uh, <laughs> or I'm, I'm being censored here. <laughs> that's why i'm not getting too controversial because because otherwise you know you you end end up being banned or censored or or sidelined so we don't want that to happen uh because the best days the best years are yet to come so we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot so, hey i mean this is an independent podcast there's no no censoring going on here you well, can say whatever you want it means that you know Freedom of press means you have your own press. So if you have that, then you're fortunate. <laughs> but we all have our, again, respect and service attitude. We all have our allegiances and we try to, to be of service. So that means we have to see how we can serve best. And this is a little prelude to my book that I'm writing for the BBT. It's gonna be called Sankirtan Amrita, The Nectar of Sri Krishna Sankirtan. I don't know when it's gonna be published because right now all the schedules are out the window. <laughs> but I used to go up to Rishikesh every year, bring about 12 or 15 friends, fun-loving guys, and we do chanting and dancing in Rishikesh around you know the bridges and distribute books. And, and at one point, there was an American tourist and he was very angry and he kind of attacked one of the devotees. And I got, I got in there and I tried to stop him and you know, became a bit of a scuffle. Then later on, as we were chanting down at Lakshmanjula, he showed up with the police and they wanted to arrest somebody. And that somebody was me because I was you know, supposedly the leader of the pack, the guy with the big nose, the tall guy. So, and we walked away and then I said, well, this is not really going well here. You know, we were supposed to do Sankirtan and I don't want to get bogged down by this. So I asked him, asked the police, can I have a word with this person? Like before you take us to the station to do the, and they said, yeah. So, so I sat down with him and I said, Please tell me, what, what is it that, that upset you? What is it that, that offended you? What is it that troubles you? And he went on and on and on and on and on about all the controversies, all the things that he heard about, that he read about, everything related to ISKCON. And I said, have you, have you finished? He said, no. And he went on and on and on and on and on and on. And I just had to sit there and take it. And I said, thank you. Now, me personally, I like to add, what you have just mentioned now is just the tip of the iceberg. I've been in this movement for four decades now, and close to four decades. And what you have experienced as an outsider is just the tip of the iceberg. 
But I have chosen to stay to make a positive difference because I truly feel that this message is substantial and it can impact and it can change people's lives. So if we have offended you, if we have, you know, upset you, I truly apologize and I, I like to make up for it. So please tell me what I can do. And he said, nothing, it's good, it's fine. That's all I wanted to say. And we gave each other a hug. And then we walked back to the police and the guy said, so we go down to the station, we're gonna do the report. And for him, it meant we're gonna cash in some bribes. And uh, the guy said, no, case is over, we're going home. So <laughs> we just walked away, friends. But it meant I had to eat some of that vegan, sugarless, humble pie, you know? <laughs> and and that, that will happen to every one of us, that, that we have to die before dying. We have to face the music, so to speak, and, and deal with our own attachments, insecurities, uncertainties. And that means Chetodarpanamarjanam. That means Sankirtan. That means the cleansing of the heart. That is Gundichamarjana. That is why we're doing what we're doing. It's not mm. about making money. It's not about putting a few books out there. It's really about refining ourselves and, and showing our appreciation. And you'd be surprised. And uh, as, a, as a little takeaway for all our viewers, please try this out, not just as a mind exercise. For the next week, try to appreciate three person every day. Just, and you have to actually mean it because you can't fake empathy. You have to actually mean it. Uh, like if I were to say, Nam Ross, I really love your beard. Then you would say, what beard, dude? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. the, the one on, on, my, on, my, on my logo or, or the yeah. one I had last year or which beard are you talking about? You know, like yeah. it's going to be something real and you have to actually mean it now because the schools were closed so i did a lot of farmers markets so i just walk into the farmers markets go up to the farm stand go up to the person and ask them did you grow all this yourself and people they just pause for a moment and say dude take anything you want you know like like people are craving for attention they're craving for appreciation if it's genuine, if it's actually substantial. You know, Prabhupada, you've seen that movie, 26-Second Avenue? Yeah. People chanting there, completely stoned out of their minds. Yes. Prabhupada treated everybody who walked in that door like they were the future leaders of the Hare Krishna movement. Guess what happened? They became the future leaders of the Hare Krishna movement. Isn't it shocking? Yeah. So the same thing can happen today if we actually see the potential in people rather than the deficiencies. Sometimes we're very kind and considerate with ourselves and maybe with newcomers or people who like us, but we're a little uh, stark and a little stern with, with our fellow devotees. And, and that kind of can put in a little bit of tension, a little bit of disjointedness, which, which just 
leaves things a little less than ideal, so to speak. So for me, Sankirtan is the tide that floats all the boats and all the canoes. So whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, whatever it is that you're trying to do in life, whether you are this or that, I'm not you know, judging you or putting you into boxes or labels. To me, Sankirtan has been the magic. I wanted to travel the world, have a whole bunch of friends and become the best at what I do. And it, it took me seven years to get there. And, and Krishna has fulfilled all my expectations by far. And he also showed me, he gave me everything and then he took everything away. <laughs> he showed me that, that there's so much more than what we think is going on. Because Krishna has a real sense of humor. He, he is really, he is really tricky. He, he, is, he, is, he has his own way of doing things. Just to give you an example, <clears throat> formerly you used to speak about your three pet peeves, right? You, you dropped that one. Yeah, yeah. But, but I can still, for nostalgia's sake, right? Sure, go for it. So number one uh, of the three pet peeves of Navina. <laughs> this era that we're living in is going to be called by historians as the great constipation. We're, we're living a very constipated times for various reasons. And this is a topic for a whole other discussion. I'm not going to get into it because it's too big of a topic. The second one is... Did you know that Lord Chaitanya and Krishna never ate chili? Now, this may be shocking for some of our audience, especially some of our Indian friends. They brought chili to India 400-something years ago. So neither Lord Chaitanya nor Krishna ever ate chili. If you go to Tirupati and you eat Balaji Mahaprasad, or you eat Jagannath Mahaprasad, or you eat Melkote Narasinga Bhagavan Mahaprasad, there is no chili. Okay, got it? So to say that this is Vedic is nonsense. That's one of your pet peeves? Uh, every temple you go, they, 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 they just pour the chili powder and the flakes and whatnot. And for <laughs> the others, meaning <laughs> the others, uh, it's a bit of a challenge to appreciate. Right. And as I was mentioning this, to a Latin American audience who was laughing, I went down and the devotees had made uh, cheese paratas. We call them quesadillas. <laughs> and then I bite into it and it burns me. And I open it up and it's all red. And I ask, what is this? And they say chili powder. And they say, some things will never change. <laughs> now, if you run a daba, okay, by all means, have chili powder there. But, but if you do Italian cuisine or you do other types of cuisine, it's not really required. And the third thing is fighting my own hypocrisy. And, and it's an ongoing affair. It's not something that, that, that's just that happened in the past. It's an ongoing affair. Catching myself of going off center, off track, and having to catch myself and bring myself back to center. And to me, that is the Sankirtan mood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu 
That is the mood of the Shikshastaka, that is the mood of our Sampradaya, of no ulterior motive. I'm doing this to, to please Guru and Krishna because that is ultimately what is dear to my heart and what is making a difference. So just to get the three pet peeves out of the way so I don't, don't forget you. about it. <laughs> <laughs> but again, they're broad topics and I'm sure they can be argued from many angles and points of view. Can, but, can you just give us an idea of what you mean by the first one, the constipation one? Just just to, because I don't have any idea what you mean. But if you just give us an idea, that could be like, okay, I kind of know what he's talking about. We, and I mean, <laughs> fail to create what's called positive discharge honorable discharge, that people can move on. You brought up the ashrams. People weren't really in the know that, that you know, you go to school and then you graduate and then you go into life and you work, you know, you don't hang around yeah. in the university. In a similar yeah. way, people should do brahmacharya and the majority should do grihasta. And then, you know, some can do vanaprastha and very few can do sannyas. That it's a progressive path. So we have forced our elders to stay in management and power and control mode way past their, their, their tenure. And, and it's been counterproductive. It's been stifling our organization. If you have, have taken uh, emeritus or emeritus, as it is called, uh, like Ravindasur Prabhu, Burijan Prabhu, a few others, Mukunda um, Maharaj, but because there is no honorable discharge and oftentimes people are fully invested, entrenched and identified with their role, but it deprives us of having elders who have wisdom and maturity to guide us. I can't be your friend, your business consultant, your boss and your guru. It doesn't work. It's Rasa Bas and Mahaprabhu and Kaviraj Goswami and Prabhupada says that Rasabhas has to be avoided by all means. It's conflicting mellows, contradictory mellows that, that spoil the soup. So, and that's what caused a real constipation in, in our organization. There's a lot of uncertainty since decades about uh, succession, about Guru Tattva. I just read about the Chaitanya tree, that there's thousands of branches and every branch has thousands of flowers. And Srila Prabhupada said, I want to have millions of gurus. And even though we have stalwarts who have left us many, many, many years ago, there's only one or two of their followers who are initiating. So obviously the system as it is now is not working. And if our theology our legislation and our practice are three different things, then we are very inconsistent, very unproductive, and maybe even hypocritical. And we got to look at that real close and real hard. And that is the legacy project. That is really what, in all humility, what we would wish that our seniors would leave us with, that they figured this out because it's the decade of tears. It may be two decades of tears. One Swami 
put it to me as an analogy side, it's like the popcorn effect. You know, when you make popcorn, initially it's very quiet. Yeah. And then one or two pop. And then it goes pop, 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 And then it goes So. Yeah. And why appreciation? Because unless we actually allow people to be themselves and we value them for who they are, not just for what they do, but for who they are, we really miss out. We really miss the boat. I was in Mayapur in the back of Panchatattva Temple and Bhakti Charumaraj, after taking the darshan, he just walked to the back and he just walked up to me and gave me a big hug. And I was like, Hare Krishna. Now he used to come to Switzerland in the 80s and come to where the Sankirtan devotees were staying and cook chow mein for us. Wow. In Mayapur, he would do pizza, but in, in the West, he would do chow mein and rishti, huh? like hash browns. Yeah. So I, I went out in 85 and I knocked on some big houses because we used to do door to door everywhere, the whole country. We knocked on every door every two years. So big houses, big dogs, big fences. But one lady, she took three books and she mentioned somehow that her nephew had been to India. And, and I, I said, really, that's fantastic. Can you give me his contact? She gave me his number. I called him, he came to the temple with his friend. They had long hair and red eyes. They were stoned out on, on smoking marijuana. I showed them the whole temple and everything. They said, we already know everything. We've been to India. But I was Bhaktaniko, happy-go-lucky. I don't take no for an answer. <laughs> showed them the temple, showed them the deities, gave them prasadam, and then showed them all the books. And they said, bag it, we take it. And they put a few big bills on the table and walked away. And then they kept coming every couple of months for a Sunday feast, but not much happened. Till, till one fine Sunday, Bhakti Chirumaraj comes and gives the Sunday feast class. And it was total meltdown. They just, they just caved in. They're just like, he's our guru. We have to surrender. They just tuned into his frequency and they just, they just blew him out of the water. They started a center in their home. And from that, that those gatherings, more than a dozen uh, people got initiated and maybe a few dozen started chanting Hare Krishna. So what I'm saying is when you appreciate your neighbor or, you know, the, the cashier or the person in the bank or he, Krishna is there in the heart and he will reciprocate. He, he will reciprocate and he will inspire that person to, to actually start their spiritual journey. So the Bhagavatam, the CC, it's all about appreciation. Mahaprabhu was appreciating his devotees. They all came and he had Swarupadamadar and Govinda give garlands to all the devotees and Chanda. It's a, it's a process of appreciation. Why are we sometimes not feeling the love? Because we're not feeling appreciation for the devotees yeah. and, and for the process, for the chanting. So, so what's the best we can do? We just spend time with, with our friends and our, <laughs> the people we want to associate with and, and we just show them appreciation. And we'll see how that will just raise the whole experience. That's just something I wanted to throw in there.
the uh, yeah thank you so much Prabhu. i appreciate that i like the point you made i like talking about succession and the whole what you were saying for that point one of the pet peeves i really agree with that i think it's i think it's also that the devotees who are there in their positions they might feel like they don't have faith in the next generation to take over. It's like we've spent so much time and so much energy to do what we've done so far. And now we're just going to hand it over to these guys who don't know what they're doing. And, and how do we even deal with that? So as, as being someone who is the next generation myself and also you, I mean, you're, you're kind of like overlapping into the, in the next generation. How do you feel that we can make that generation feel appreciated and feel confident in us to actually do to give us some more responsibilities maybe they are i'm not so in touch with that but it's a big topic yeah and uh, i think it should be discussed separately all right because it will become too dominant but just in a nutshell since i brought sure. it up and i sure, sure. Yes. <laughs> let i let the cat out of the basket <laughs> um It really has a lot to do with appreciation because that will validate people and help them to overcome their own insecurity. People have different motives and uh, it is not in my uh, calling to analyze or judge those uh, reasons and motives, why they do what they do. So, uh, um, There's a saying, the graveyards are full of indispensable men. Tomorrow we're, we're all gone. We're only here for a few afternoons. Yeah. It's really about, it's really, success depends on succession. Like, like I know you got two guys that you're training up to do those podcasts because, because they'll know, you know, daddy's going <laughs> to take off, you know, so, so. <laughs> And we should be happy to, to train them. And I mean, that's the whole message of the Bhagavatam, isn't it? The king, he, he gets into power. He sees his own uh, successors. He trains them. And as soon as someone is capable, he gets out. And he, he does what no one else can do for him. And what is that? That's Namras. That's Nambhajan. That's, that's intense sadhana. <laughs> that's, that's intense Krishna consciousness. Huh? Yeah. Everything else, you know, delegate, outsource, simplify. Everything else can be given to other people, but some things we can only do ourselves. So there are many, many capable and qualified people, yet we also have to see that there's a healthy balance between tradition and innovation because there's that tension going on that, that, that people are often uh, – calling the this and the that, or, you know, whatever name tag you want to give it. But tension should be healthy. It, it has to be there. We need tradition. We also need innovation. Prabhupada asked us to, especially the leaders, to go to Maipur every year and to discuss unity and diversity. So right now, a lot of emphasis is given on tradition in some, in some groups, in some parts of the world. <laughs> And in other parts of the world, a lot of emphasis is being put on innovation, on, on, on trying the new ways. 
train runs on two tracks. We, we need to keep things moving forward. And that means they have to be parallel. If we go off a quarter inch, it will be chaos. It will be, it will be unproductive and displeasing. So there has to be respect and service attitude. And if you keep that in mind, then everybody can contribute. Yet we as juniors have to also see what can we do to honor, to appreciate, and to ensure the well-being of our seniors. Many of them are financially dependent. Many of them are, are maybe socially or, you know, Service-wise, they're, they're dependent on their situation, on their job. And if we have not succeeded in helping them feel confident and comfortable in moving on, then we have failed. Then we have failed. And it's going to hurt. I mean, all things must pass. Even the great constipation will pass, but it will hurt. And so I don't have all the answers. I have a lot more questions. <laughs> But I know I would like to be part of the solution, and that means sweet surrender. That means doing what's required now to, to, to move things forward. And for me right now, it's, it's uh, this appreciation tour of moving around and appreciating devotees and, and learning, learning from their, from their successes and from their failures. And believe it or not, Devotees are sincere. They will share. They will, they will share their heart with you. They will give you a piece of their mind. And, and, and it's real. It's, it's substantial. Just in regards to appreciation, um, I was up in uh, northern Michigan on a parking lot in Sheboygan, which is really redneck country. <laughs> a lot of hicks out there. And I met one man with his teenage son, and as I walk to him, he looks at me, he looks at the books, and he says, Prabhupada is my favorite author. And his son looks at him and goes like, Daddy, what are you talking about? Like, who, what? It's like he came out, you know, like that. Like, Prabhupada is my favorite author. And I was like, thank you, dude. It was worth coming out here all the way <laughs> to meet you. Wow. My friend Sarvatma Prabhu, when he was a Brahmacharya Buenos Aires, he, he was asked to go to America to serve his spiritual master who was sick at that time. He went to the American embassy in Buenos Aires in pants and shirt because uh, that was before Krishna West, but he thought maybe that would be more agreeable, you know, to the embassy. And he got denied. So the next day he went back to the embassy in Dodi and Kurta and he demanded to speak to the ambassador. And a lady came, young lady, mid-30s, and she said, what would you like? And he said, I was here yesterday, and one of your less intelligent bureaucrats rejected my application. Little did he know that in our tradition, we live to serve our spiritual master. And my spiritual master has come to Latin America and traveled with me all over the place, and I can serve and assist him best. Right now he's in the U.S., and he's sick, and he needs my help, and I need to go there to serve him. She paused and she said, so you're not going to go there to stay? You're just going to serve him and come back? He said, yes, we're missionaries. That's what we do. We just, we're attendant and preachers. <coughs> she paused and she said, okay, you get the visa. You got it. And as she gets up from the table, she leans over to him and she says, 
Now this is the prop up moment, okay? If you hear this, you can't go back, all right? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. You gotta cross the line, you can't go back, all right? All right. She leans over and she tells him, I read Prabhupada's Gita. And he goes like, what? <laughs> so he takes out the Lilamrita out of his bag and he hands her the book just in passing. Cause there's the Marines, there's diplomats, you know, it's like it's the ambassador <laughs> of the United States in Argentina. So she read Prabhupada's Gita. Wow. But she wanted to make sure that he is who he's saying he is. And that's what people want to know when they meet us. Are you who you pretend you are or are you actually who you are? That's what people want to know. Sometimes they look at the book and they look at you and then they look at the book and they look at you. <laughs> it's no match. It's no go. They give it back. Sometimes they have the money out and they say, yeah, I don't think so. Not, not, not today, you know? Wow. <laughs> and you go like, ah! why not, you know? Why not? Because Krishna loves you, because Krishna cares for you, and he sees that you're a little attached, or you're a little complacent, or you're a little spaced out, and you need to, you know, connect with the internal potency. So that's the appreciation potency. And I have seen that if we learn this art of appreciation, not just to sell a book, not just to keep peace at home, not just to please our boss, but... When I'm chanting Hare Krishna, I'm glorifying Krishna, I'm trying to appreciate Krishna in the form of his holy name. Radhastami is coming up. Why are we worshipping Sri Radhe? Because she's the best servant of Krishna. And, and that will attract Krishna. Krishna can only be attracted by pure love. It's the only thing that attracts him. We can know, we can do, none of that matters. Krishna is only attracted to pure love. The way we show that love, that is up to our capacity. That's up to our personal desire and volition. Do you, in your travels from California and through the U.S., do you feel that there is a lack of people appreciating each other in the movement? It's a, uh, you got... It's not black and white, you know, like if you look into the room, <laughs> it's right. all colors and shapes. You, you got everything, you know, yeah. you got everything. It's just, and you get all the different types of experiences. That's, that's what comes with this, this adventure, this venturing out into the great unknown. Like you open that front door and you step out and you don't know what's going to happen. But that's, that's, that's what Prabhupada faced when he stepped off the Jaladutta. I mean, even before he got to the Jaladutta, it was, it was a big, a big journey, so to speak. And then he went to Butler, Pennsylvania. But when he was in New York, he didn't know, should he turn left or right? Mm. When he was in Butler, Pennsylvania, Sally Agarwal arranged programs for him. He went to Slippery Rocks College and gave an introductory talk to Professor Larson and his audience. Do you want to know how Prabhupada distributed books? You know, that's quite interesting. You want to know? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm going to tell you even if you don't want to know because that's, <laughs> the kind of guy, that's the kind of guy I am, you know? <laughs> so he gave his talk, and then afterwards he told the professor, I have brought these books for my very special friends. Guess what? Do you think the professor took the books or not? 
Yeah, maybe he took them. Yeah, absolutely. If somebody offers you to be their very special friend. Right. I mean, that's, that's something you, you're not going to refuse. That's something that <laughs> you actually, you go for. Huh? Prabhupada had five or seven bookstores in New York who were selling his three-volume sets for his candle. And one lady, she said, you're from India, right? And he said, yeah, one of the booksellers. He would buy, go by every two weeks and bring new books and collect money. That's how he lived. That's how he maintained himself. He would walk and not take the bus to save bus fare. Literally, he went to bed hungry sometimes because he didn't have money to eat. He was in so destitute condition. So the lady said, you're from India? He said, yes. She said, I love Indian food. And, and, and he said, really, what do you like? And she said, samosas. Next time Prabhupada came, he brought her samosas. Wow. Wow. She was the Sankirtan devotee. She was distributing his books. Prabhupada didn't thought us and them, black and white, you love me, you hate me, are you with me or are you against me? Are you going to vote for me? What have you done for me lately? No. He just appreciated her. Guess yeah. what? She, 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 she went and she sold a few of those Bhagavatams. I can guarantee you that. So it's really about appreciating devotees. And yes, sometimes you come and, and there is no place. But we're fine. We can be in our van or under a tree, it doesn't really matter. Sometimes you come and, and the room is dirty and, 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 and the toilet is, and the sink is plugged up and, 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 and there is, you know, nothing makes sense. And, and, but Krishna is always there. And at other times people throw flowers and kind words and money at you and you go like, this is surreal, you know, like, <laughs> this, is, this is strange. So, I guess I guess a question I have now is that how to make it genuine. You, I feel like when I'm the most appreciative of someone, then I feel like really good myself, and I feel really grateful for myself first, and then I'm like, okay, I can appreciate others and have this kind of humility. But if I don't have that, or if I'm not feeling that at that very moment, then I can't feel appreciative to anyone. Yeah, and that's a fact. But it's hard. It makes relationships really hard. Because if <laughs> I don't care for you, then why would you care for me? Okay, we can pretend, okay, we're two cool guys and, you know, and, uh, and you're all right, but actually I think you're a schmuck, you know. And, 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 and you think like, okay, I'm going to tolerate this guy because he's on my show. But, but anybody who's got a little bit of sensibilities will sense that, that there's really nothing going on here, you know, except two guys talking out of their elbows, just being jerks. And, and that's really substandard. That's not, that's not cutting it, so to speak. So unless people feel like there is more to it, and, and we're not just buddy-buddy because for some external reasons. So what's the buy-in? There is only believers in the trenches. If, if you feel that you're actually being touched by the Sankirtan movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we're all in the same boat. We, we got the same mission. And to help, Prophet said, your love for me will be shown in as much as you cooperate after I'm gone. Now, most of our gurus are still here, and, and already the cooperation is not that great, you know, in many parts <laughs> of the world. Uh, mm. Sometimes I have a hard time cooperating with myself because I may be confused about yeah. my own ideas. 
plans and I may not even get to do much. Yeah. You know, because of my own internal conflicts, conflicting emotions, conflicting agendas, conflicting ideas. So, so what really gives us clarity for me when I read the Bhagavatam? Just like Krishna came to Brahma. Brahma was confused. It was all dark. He meditated. He, he did tapasya. He did what he was told. Krishna came and he, he, he said, thank you. And he shook his hand. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Krishna comes and he shakes your hand. And he says, <laughs> and then he told him, don't be anxious and don't be depressed. What you are praying for has already granted so many times. I could throw you Sanskrit, but I don't think it will add to the, to the, to the discussion. But these are very powerful verses from the Bhagavatam. And we actually read them and, and remember them when you feel conflict in your life. There's another one. Lord Shiva tells the Prachetas. Uh, there's a big, beautiful one about friendship. You know, I, I, I came and you got darshan. Vishnu came, gave them the darshan because he appreciated their friendship. Their, their tightness amongst each other. And Lord Shiva told them, that wherever and wherever the Bhagavatam is being heard, there will be no anxiety, no envy, no fear. None of those material qualities will be present, at least while you're reciting the Bhagavatam. <laughs> so now Bhadra Purnima is coming up, a little, uh, a little promo, 20th of September. You're going to go to Goloka, give a Bhagavatam. Uh, so you still got two weeks' time to get ready. But before that, are we reading the Bhagavatam? I've been doing surveys all over the world, and I can guarantee you less than 10% of our own people have a full set of Prabhupada's books and also less than 10% of our own people have read all the books. That's pretty shocking, isn't it? Wow. Less than 10%? Yes. So that means if you say rough ballpark figure, there's a million Hare Krishnas in the world at the moment, that means 900,000 of them don't have a full set of Prabhupada's books and haven't read Prabhupada's books. So what can we do to, to change that, you know? Create reading groups, circles, meet with your buddies, you know? Use, use, do it on Skype, do it on social media, do it on the phone or get together however you can. Read together, churn the nectar. Your life will never be the same. If you read about Lord Chaitanya going to the Kurma Brahman and then he went and walked away and Vasudev the leper, he came there just a day late, he just missed Lord Chaitanya. And he just broke down crying. He was in tears. He was in shambles. And Mahaprabhu, in his heart, he noticed it and he walked back to give darshan to Vasudev the leper. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty, that's not just nice stories that you tell your grandkids. That's, that's stuff that can happen every day of your life. Oftentimes I feel I didn't do enough. I was in San Francisco on Haight-Ashbury and I met a young kid and he was like, wow, this is great. He took the books, he gave a donation. He went so fast and he was gone. And I'm like, I should have taken his contact. The next day I'm in the same place and I'm the same kid again. <laughs> and so I take his contact and, 
And I invite him, he comes a few times to our, our uh, Bhakti Center that's not called Bhakti Center anymore. It's called Bhakti SF now, uh, name change. So uh, not going to tell you why. Um, so he takes up to the practice and then he brings his mom and then his dad, who is a headhunter and a, and, a, and a coach for corporates, invites me to their home in Silicon Valley. And I go there several times. And mom starts chanting and going full, full tilt like she's all in. <laughs> wow. I mean, the dude is so big. The guy is so big that the chief of police of New Zealand, when he was, because the guy has got triple citizenship, American, British, and New Zealand. So when the chief of police of New Zealand was in America, he stayed at his home. And he had Dodi, that happiness professor from Stanford, and they all, you know, so he's a big guy. The point is, we have to be there, we have to be conscious before we can be Krishna conscious. I was also on Haight Street, just for nostalgia's sake, Hayden Ashbury, mm. there's a corner there. And, yes. and in that iconic corner, there's an ice cream store and there's a stoplight. So, so there was a sports car who stopped there and on the license plate it said Ben and Jerry. And so I went up to the guy just on the street. That's what you do in San Francisco. You can distribute books anywhere. And showed him the books and he says, I'm a Christian. I'm an evangelical Christian. And I looked at him and I said, God comes in many flavors. <laughs> and his jaw dropped and he said dude I own this ice cream store here and I own two others he owns three ice cream stores he gave me 50 bucks he came to the premiere of the Prabhupada movie and we've been in touch he just finished seminary he wants to be a preacher his wife's a doctor and, and he, he wants to spread the message, message of Christ in Africa and around the world and because he sees that I have kind of been doing what he wants to do. So he considers me as a go-to person because I'm walking up from his perspective. So he said, wow. you got to come to my house. you got to talk to me. you got to teach me how this is being done because he's just been doing theory and not much practice. Mm -hmm. So, and these are not just, you know, nice stories, but I... I, I would really like you to have your Prabhupada stories, your Prabhupada moments uh, every day in your life. Because to me, that's what kept me going in the dark winters. And it was pretty, pretty cold, you know, not just in Switzerland on the street, but like I was in the mid nineties, I was in Siberia in a town called Novosibirsk It's the capital of Siberia. It was minus 35 Celsius or Fahrenheit. Same thing. Doesn't matter. It's like you spit and it turns into ice before it hits the ground. It's that cold. Oh it feels like somebody's throwing darts at you. Like it's so cold, it just hurts you. And uh, we were in a Sankirtan meeting that the, the, the roof was blowing off so much energy. The devotees, kirtans, prasadam, so wonderful. One devotee story. And he was going out on the street in Siberia. And he met another person who was also distributing Bhagavad Gita. So he walks up to him and he says, Prabhu, from which temple are you? 
And the other guy says, I don't know any temple and I don't know any Prabhu. What are you talking about? And he says, you're the shivering Bhagavad Gita. You don't know temple and Prabhu? <laughs> like, what are you doing? And the guy said, look, two years ago, I bought a Bhagavad Gita here on this street. And I read it. It's the best book I ever read in my life. And at the end of the book, Krishna tells Arjuna that if you want to become dear to me, you got to give this message to others. So he went to the copy shop and he had a hundred copies, Xerox copy and bound. And he went out on the same street, sharing the message with others, telling them, look, this is the best book I've ever read. It cost me this much to Xerox copy. Please give me a donation. Now, I have a doubt. You know, to have doubts is the sign of intelligence, right? And now if you, I have many doubts, so I must be very intelligent. So <laughs> one of my major doubts is, what if all of us become useless? Like, if it, what if we all lose it? We just become too self-absorbed, too insular, too insecure, too full of it, that we can't even figure out what's going on. It can happen. You ever see these big churches that are just nice monuments and nothing's going on? Yeah. They're in every street corner of this great country. And you wonder, like, what went wrong? What happened here? Right? Do you ever wonder when you see those big monuments? What Definitely. went wrong? Yeah. What if the same thing happens to us? God forbid. But it could happen. We get a little too full of it, a little too argumentative, a little too assertive, a little too into power and control mode, a little too much into franchise mode, and people just run for the woods. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in Siberia, somewhere in the Sahara Desert, somewhere in Patagonia, somewhere in a little hick town in the Alps, some kid will find one of Prabhupada's books and will read it and will say, hey, you know what? This is it. We got to do this. We got to bring this to the people. Yeah. If people ask me, like after I've given a talk, so what's your social media? I want to follow you. I say, don't follow me. I'm lost, okay? So you got to follow the Acharyas. And I don't do social media. Um, but if you want to connect, then like Prabhupada was saying, you chant Hare Krishna, I chant Hare Krishna. We're always connected through the sound vibration. So if we are doing Sankirtan, whether you're in New Jersey, and I'm in Michigan, and someone else may be, you know, in Timbuktu, we're connected. You feel that, that tightness, you feel that synergy, that's closeness. It's not about physical proximity. It's not about language groups or political alliances. It's really about, are we doing the yagya? Are we part of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sankirtan movement? Do we feel a, a, an allegiance to Prabhupada? And, and to, to spreading the holy name around the world. Because if we have another agenda, if the agenda is more about me, then unfortunately it will die with me. But if the agenda is something bigger than me or my project, then it can actually sustain. That will be succession and that will be a success. I don't know if you got any questions or any comments from our esteemed audience or we're just working up yeah. an appetite for, for lunch here. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, let's see. We have any 
questions here. We really have a lot of devotees watching. Um, a lot of appreciation. We have a question. I saw a question. Uh, okay, here's a question. Was Prabhu saying that it's age of constipation for all of the world or particularly devotees? Seems like a problem in the world too. I think he was talking about devotees. Both. It's usually, you know, we're not that that special. We're, <laughs> we're not. We're also connected to, to what's going on in the world. And it's, it's a natural phenomena, especially in, in Kali Yuga, that people want to hang on and hold on to their seats and to their power because they don't see either they don't see the way forward or they have not been appreciated and, and valued. So they're not confident that, that they can serve in a different capacity and still be lovable. Huh? Mm. If I only like you when you can put scores up on the board and otherwise not, then, then it's really short-lived. Then it's really not, not that substantial. But Prabhupada's love was unconditional. And because of his oceanic love, he captured countless hearts. There was one lady in the temple who had a lot of problems, and, but she, she was taking care of her looks and her hair and everything, but devotees didn't seem to notice or appreciate this. She thought she was in Maya. She was ready to leave. And then Prabhupada passed her in the hallway and he looked at her and, she, and he said, you got nice hair. <laughs> she's, still, she's still in the movement. She's still a devotee today. Now, what's this 80-year-old sannyasi got to compliment a woman on her hair? But he could see that this person needs a little encouragement. I was down in New Orleans in the French Quarter, and it was a young jogger with a, with a pit bull. And the lady, she, she just stopped for a while to take a breath. And, you know, they're in their, they're in their sports grubs in their outfits for, you know, for... for for jogging, so not your likely candidate, right? To 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 talk to them, but I thought nobody else is around. Might as well. So showed her the book, and then as I usually ask people, what are your three biggest challenges right now? Patience, expectations, or just anxiety? And she just broke down crying. She just she just was in tears. She just you know. Oh she said my fiance cheated on me. We had our wedding date, and he took off, and 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 everything's terrible. But I, I became a vegetarian, and I want to really work on myself and improve myself. And 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 now I meet you, and I say, girl, you're okay. All right, you're fine. Now I got no, I got no interest, you know, in complimenting anybody, but. You're okay. The world's crazy, but you're okay. All right? You've never been as sober as you are right now. So let it all out, and this will really help you. So she took a few books, and she was really interested to, to take up this practice. So everyone's struggling in the universe, from Brahma down to the end. I mean, that's the message of the Bhagavatam. Abrahma Bhuvana Loka, Puranavarjuna Arjuna. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a place of birth and death. It's a place of struggle. And people want to see, is there someone who actually cares? Is there someone who, who can actually add value to my life? And that's where the 
devotees get to play. That's, and you can only give what you got. If, if I don't feel I have it, if I don't value it myself, then how, yeah. how can I be comfortable to sharing it? I may think like, oh, it's got the wrong cover or it's got the, the wrong language or it's got the wrong whatever, you know? <laughs> so that's okay, whatever you can appreciate. It can be a cookie. It can be a slice of pizza. It can be chilies fried in motor oil. If that's what gets you going and that's what, what you truly value, then, then, you know, then share that. Yeah. You get my point? Whatever yeah. it is that you can appreciate, it is so easy to share that with others. But unless I do have that appreciation, it's, it's really hard to communicate that, that message to others. It comes across really theoretical, abstract, and kind of lame, you know? Like, why are you doing this, you know? Like, it's really wow. not, much, not much punch, not much punch to it. So I love that. I love that about appreciation, yeah. appreciating what you like, what we are striving to give. We ourselves should appreciate that first, and then we'll be able to appreciate others and give it to others. And, and, and if you don't, and if you're, and if you're having uh, a struggle in giving it to others, then you need to look into yourself of what is it that you're not appreciating or what you're not able to appreciate, or you're kind of not there yet appreciating. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. Appreciation means not just recognizing, but also to actually see the value. And what you appreciate appreciates. So, so it will increase in value. You may have something, you're not even aware of it. So for you, it's meaningless. But, but if you can actually recognize it and appreciate it, its value just increased tremendously. Huh? Mm. I was in Denmark in Aarhus uh, distributing books near the train station. And there was a lady on a bicycle, and when she saw me with the books, she almost fell off the bicycle. She said, I met this man, I met this man. And I'm like, lady, it's very hard, you know? I mean, I, very unlikely. And she said, you don't know. I'm from Hollywood, California. When I was a teenage girl, when I was 16, me and my best friend, we heard the Swami was down in, in Culver City. So we drove down on our bicycles to go see the Swami. And you know what? They had us throw flowers. They had us throw rose petals as he got out of the car and walked to the temple. Wow. And, then she said, and you know what? Afterwards, where he walked, I went there and I got some of those petals. And then she looked at me with this smirk, you know, this mischievous young girl smile. I still have those rose petals today. Oh my gosh. Then, she, then she, she gave me, she took books, she gave a donation, then she gave me vegetables and fruits and she gave me bread and she wanted to give me her bicycle, you know, like she wanted to take me home, you know? I was like, lady, that's okay, you know? Like you gave me my prop up moment. It was worth it. Wow. Coming to well, what is she doing in Denmark? life you know <laughs> people are all over the planet anyway uh in the book that i'm gonna write uh i wrote it for three reasons number one to show what happens to an ordinary 15 year old kid who knows nothing about nothing who gets in touch with Prabhupada's books number two 
what does a survivor of the 80s have to say that lived uh, through the 80s and 90s wow. and the 2000s <laughs> and 20s? <laughs> yeah, good point. And number three, a manual that even if you're in Timbuktu and you just find that book, you can restart the Sankirtan mission, like a manual for book distribution, you know, like if you were to write the Namra's manual to doing podcasts, right? You can right. tell them what to do and also what not to do because you have done a lot of those things and mm -hmm. you've paid the price. It said that unless you have application, it, it will stay information. But with application, you actually get realization and realization leads to transformation. And transformation mm -hmm. is what we want. We want that change of heart. We want that substantial experience. Now, of course, I put a lot of those stories in the book and my, my own, you know, realizations and some philosophy to substantiate what I'm trying to say. But I would like to see more activism. I see it as my mission in Srila Prabhupada's vision to recruit, train, and empower activists. Now, you, if you're an activist, and especially if you're taking care of other activists, that's, that's the kind of person that I have made it my life, my service, to counsel, to coach, to, to spend time with because to me, it has made my life. I met amazing people. When I came to the temple the first time, people gave me beads, boom, just dropped the beads on me. <laughs> Chant yeah. four runs. And uh, I'm not saying you have to do that with every newcomer, but I guess I was ready or desperate enough. And, and uh, they gave me books, they gave me prasadam, but most likely, most of all, they gave me time. I had three people who I could call any time of the week, and they would answer all my questions. I was reading every day for an hour or two, Bhagavatam and Gita, and there's a lot of big words and a lot of strange concepts. I was 15-year-old, still going to ninth grade. But I could call up, and any of these three devotees were always on call, and they would answer my questions. Now, I owe them. I owe them big time. Huh? And, and so do I owe all these countless devotees who have shared time and guided me and tolerated me and encouraged me through, through all my struggles. And I feel if we succeed in doing that, then hopefully Srila Prabhupada and Srimatra Dharani will glance on us give us a little of their glance and, and mm -hmm. that will be the perfection. That will be the perfection of our lives. And another beautiful thing that I always wanted to know and was wondering about and had a doubt about, I heard that saying, Prabhupada said, you know, just one of those Prabhupada says, <laughs> yeah. the children of your children will be the pure devotees. Have you ever heard that? Yes. Have you ever wondered about that? Why the children of your children? Why not your children? No, I haven't. I asked one proper disciple, one lady that, and she told me 
Uh, Prabhupada said, it's not your children because your children had to associate with you. That's why it's going to be the children of your children who will be the pure. <laughs> now, I hope that I don't have to tell to my kids that it, it won't be you, but it will be the children of your children because you had to associate with me. So, so trying to become a, an aspiring devotee, carry my own slack, do my sadhana, and, and try to be of help. Try to be part of the solution. We all know what the problems are. We can talk, you know, for eons about the problems. More interested yeah. in the way forward. What are the solutions? What's the progressive path? Who is ready to be part of the solution? Those are the people I'd like to meet. Those are the people I like to collaborate, to work with, and I, I like to serve them. Because tomorrow I'm not going to be here. But I know the best years are yet to come, and Prabhupada has left a tremendous contribution and legacy and it is a living tradition we're not just living in the past it's not that we're just gonna re-watch the videos of the class of 1977 for eternity but yeah. we would like yeah. to know what what does what does what does our neighbor have to say and i give a little talk with a group from czech and slovakia weekly and i gave them that homework to try to appreciate others and show their appreciation. Because as you know, it's not enough to just say, I love you, you know? <laughs> they also want to see some action. So, so uh, and he shared with the group this Sunday that he's mid-20s, still living at home, uh, that he tried to be useful at home and, and do some things and some chores and just try to help out. And that his parents sat down with him last week and said, you have changed. Something is different. We want to know what's going on with you. What are you up to? <laughs> his boss said he wants to join in that group because he has changed his mindset and his work ethic. So appreciation is a real game changer. A lot of people have made tremendous impact on me because they have invested time and energy and, and blood, sweat, and tears into my uh, life, into my existence. So as a little token of gratitude, I should try to pay it forward and, 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 and just extend that to, to however many people I can. And why not start with those who are around us, those who are near, near to us, before they're gone? Because afterwards, it's always tough, you know? You, you have the memory and people are very emotional and it's sometimes also closure you, you want to say things and, and bring things out into the clear while the people are are still alive so that's some things that have gone on in my mind and in my heart thank you for allowing me to share that yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. and if you want to find out what we're up to as I said, the book will take a little time, but we have two free courses on Udemy. One is on leadership and one is on book distribution. And they're free courses, free gift, online courses. And there's some seminars and talks and videos on a YouTube channel. I'm and if you really in becoming an activist, and especially if you want to take care of other people, then 
you can write to me. So if there are any other questions or comments, I'd be happy to try to answer or to think we're, we're, we're out of time, Prabhu, but uh, uh, if you want to write to Navina Nirada Prabhu, you can write to him here at Navina at palmho.net. Um, Prabhu, thank you so much for joining me for this episode on appreciation. I think it's really valuable. Uh, if we implement what you said, the first, you know, the three things that, that you should, you should appreciate three people every day, find, and you'll find a transformation. I feel I think that's what you're coming across as that it's a transform a transformative experience when you appreciate people. Yes. Thank you. And just as a closing point, if sure, I may, yeah. yes. Prabhupada stayed up every night and wrote six pages and it amassed to almost 80 books. So if I spend a little time every day, at least read one verse, the Gita will take you two years. The Bhagavatam will take you 46 years. Most of you can still do it. I know many in today's day and age are uh, educated in the University of YouTube. They're clicking their way through the galaxy. And still make this daring, daunting task and just open a book. Just crack it open and, and read any verse. And then reflect on it during the day. What impact does that have on my life? Like if a person knows that I'm eternal, I'm full of knowledge and bliss, that's money in the bank. Nobody can take that away from you. That nobody can touch you, you know, like you're invincible. You're you're Superman. <laughs> of course, there's kryptonite. So there's the weak spot. And and that's usually uh being too critical of of, of devotees. And that's something to 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 work on our own uh, hypocrisy individually and collectively. Uh, that is the Sankirtan process to, to do that churning, that processing, and to empower the, the next generation of, of Vaishnavs and Vaishnavis who, who, will, who will make the difference in the world. I mean, they already are. We're just not aware of them yet because they, they may not spend their time posting pictures and blogs and, and doing, you know, writing books and doing podcasts. They might just be too busy keeping the shop open <laughs> or baking the bread or taking right. care of the kids. They're, they're already doing it, but, but mm. we just not really appreciating that. So Krishna consciousness is really about appreciation. Srila Prabhupada has shown it by, by his own example. And that's, the legacy that that we have been diabolic that's our inheritance that's yeah. our that's our birthright and of course with every inheritance comes responsibility and there's some there's some some call to action there's some mission there it's not just infotainment that you okay now i you know i got through this also but how can i be part of the solution how can i make a difference and how can I sort out some of those incongruities in my own life that I can be actually more uh, of a contributor, more of a participant? And just as a last, when Kala Krishnadas um, got, got affected by the nomads, by the gypsies, the Bhattataris in South India, Mahaprabhu rejected him because he had to set the example. But the devotees didn't reject him. They, they 
ask Mahaprabhu if they can send somebody to Navadvip to tell his mother, Bodhis, that he come back to Puri, that he came back. And he said, yeah, whatever you like to do, you do. So they did not reject him. They gave him service. Yeah. So we should, in a similar way, never reject devotees, but should give them service, pass the ball, and pass the mic if you <laughs> have one. And as I saw with my friend, you will see, you will notice, it's an indelible difference when, when, when that sharing and caring happens. People start realizing, hey, wow, these guys actually, these guys actually are doing it, you know? It's happening. Mm. It's not just theory. They're not just talking stuff. And, and that is much more impactful because people want to know what is your Prabhupada? What, what is your experience of this process? So yeah. thank you for having me here on, oh. your, on your show. And Hare Krishna. All goes to Shri Prabhupada. Thank you so much, Naveen and Nirada Prabhu. Thank you. Uh, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, this is episode 80. I'm trying to get to 100 episodes by the end of the year. Let's see what happens. Uh, next week, we are having some time off. We're going up to a Kirtan Festival in upstate New York at uh, Bhakta Bandav. Uh, it's, uh, it's run by uh, devotees, um, disciples of Srila Narayan March. They're having a Kirtan Festival. A lot of ISKCON devotees are going there, young people. It's going to be really nice. The week after, we have Sachin Nandan Swami coming on to talk about uh, transformation. So that's really exciting. And uh, I think we have an open slot actually next Saturday. Um, it was going to be uh, His Holiness Tripurari Maharaj, but uh, everyone wants to join that um, that Zoom conference that uh, Sundar Gopal Prabhu Simon Haas is going to give on his on his uh, new discoveries in Jiva Goswami's uh, Sandarbhas. So we're, we might cancel that for, for that weekend. But Thank you, everyone, for joining. Have a great rest of your evening. Navina Prabhu, please uh, stay on. I'm just going to turn off the live. Thank you again. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.